Hey, BU community. I have some really exciting news. I was approached with an idea and I said, yes. You know, we talk about if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. This was a hell yes. So I'm really proud to tell you that I'm now a part of Supercast. So Supercast is a way for you to get more access to me more access to a deeper dive into the content we are sharing and discussing together on this amazing BU podcast, and also content that you will never ever hear in BU. So if you want to hear me talk about divorce, either what it's like to go through a divorce, what people think about and the stories they tell themselves in a marriage about divorce, where that comes from, what it feels like to actually choose divorce, because I know a lot of women are afraid to talk to other women about that, you know, because I'm someone who did make the decision to divorce. What if you don't want a divorce and your partner approaches you and says that this is what is going to happen? What does that look like? We're going to talk about divorce in there, blending families, you know, dating after divorce, especially in your 40s. Holy shit. Blending families isn't just bringing on children who you will wrap your heart around, but it's also the extended family and all that comes with that. And then the other thing that you're going to hear through Supercast that we won't talk about in BU is a deep dive into something that a lot of you have been asking me to talk about, and that is sales and marketing. I have a very strong background in sales. I started a business with no business experience as a broke nurse working three jobs and through a lot of blood, sweat and tears, painful lessons and growth, I grew that business from zero revenue to a multi-million dollar business. And that was over the course of 12 and a half years. Through Supercast, I am going to teach you how I did that, how to sell anything without feeling salesy or coming across salesy right? How to sell like a boss without feeling weird or looking like a weirdo. I'm your girl. I've got that dialed in. What happens when you're sick of the hustle and grind in business, but you still want to grow and make more money? That's what we'll talk about. So if you head over to the show notes, you will find a link to Supercast. Click on that. I will have a little bit of an intro there. And if you like what you hear, you can subscribe. There is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. So if I asked you what your core beliefs are, what would you say? What are your core beliefs? You might say, well, I believe in God. 
I believe people are mostly good. I believe in hard work. I believe in love. I believe in health. And as I've been learning about core beliefs recently, I realized that the stories that we tell ourselves become our core beliefs. And the core belief is hiding and covering up the fear that is expressed in that internal story, the internal story of I'm not enough, I'm going to be alone, I'm unlovable. When you hear fears like that, I I know the first response might be, I I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I'm not enough. I don't feel like I'm going to be alone and I'm a horrible person. There's something wrong with me. But then we look at our actions and the way we live our life and we're living our life in a way that shows that we actually do believe that deep down. It's in our subconscious. You know, when you look at an iceberg, the top, you know, three to five percent is our conscious. And we've talked about this before, right? But what's driving the bus and what's in control and what's showing up in our conversations and in all of our relationships isn't that three to five percent. It's the rest. And that's where all of the fear lives. That's why, you know, I spent years learning mindset work, thinking my way into positivity. And I put a lot of effort into that and I got really good results for what that can give you. Controlling my thoughts, affirmations, reprogramming, rewiring my brain. So I thought. And what I've learned in the last few months is that the reason affirmations and mindset work and vision boards and all that are great and they can do a lot, but they can't do it all. And the reason people snap right back into old patterns is because what's underneath all of that is what's driving the show. What's underneath all of that is the director of the theater. So you and I can do visualization and do dream boards and vision boards and affirmations and all kinds of mindset hacks, and they are good. They do make a difference. And it will never, ever, ever, ever touch our fear that lives underneath our core beliefs if we don't go in there and sort of clean house, go into the deep, dark basement and clean house. We can rearrange the furniture and put new wallpaper and new paint and new shingles. And that does cause a difference, right? It does create change. It does make things look better. And not just from a superficial level. We could, you know, knock walls out and improve the structure of the home. But if we don't really go down underneath it all, or if there's some rotten sandwich in the corner of the basement, right? At some point, that stench is going to creep through the ventilation system of the home. We're going to spray perfume and we're going to fan it away and we're going to distract and secretly wonder what's going on. How is that there? I I thought I took care of that. And your subconscious is saying, you didn't. You did a really good job of rearranging things and you do have more abundance than you had before and you have less pain and I'm so proud of you and... Here's what's behind door number three. Are you willing to look there? You and I spend so much subconscious effort resisting what we don't want to be true, resisting what we don't want, 
so much emotional energy supporting our core beliefs, which are simply covering up our fear. Not, I believe in God, I believe in love, but a core belief like, I need to be perfect. Perfection is the only way. I have to do things perfectly. I have to be working and hustling all the time. I need to keep my guard up so that I never get hurt. Those kind of core beliefs. The ones we don't talk about at a cocktail party. The ones we may not even be aware of. All of us have them. The question is, how much energy are we putting into them? And do we really know what's underneath that? And have we discovered what's underneath it and made the decision to get rid of that so that we can create new beliefs, new core beliefs? Most people, the answer is no. I mean, I would have if I had known. I didn't know to do that. I had no idea that all of the talk therapy I was doing and all the personal development courses and all the mindset work was helping, but I had no idea what was really underneath my behavior and my core beliefs. I didn't even know I had core beliefs that I needed to be perfect, that I needed to keep my guard up so that I didn't get hurt, that I needed to constantly be doing and achieving to be worthy of anything. I had no idea I felt that way, but guess what? I bet a lot of people in my life did. Why? Because my actions were speaking louder than my words. My feet were moving at a pace different than my lips. And if people were watching closely, they would have seen that my walk was different than my talk. I would have said, I'm not a perfectionist. Because perfectionists, I actually said this in an interview today with a guest that you'll hear, I think next week. I said, you know, I used to think perfectionists are perfect people. Like I can tell Martha Stewart's a perfectionist. I'm not a perfectionist. Give me a break. They're all buttoned up and everything's perfect. Because I was such a perfectionist that I wasn't even good enough to see myself as a perfectionist. So one of my core beliefs that I wasn't even aware of, remember, what was below the water on that iceberg was that I needed to do everything perfectly. And so does everybody else, by the way. I witnessed someone being coached recently. And the realization she came to was that she needed to be perfect because the fear underneath that was that she would be alone. They don't even seem connected, do they? What's the connection between the fear of being alone and the need to be perfect? How are those even connected? Well, if you ask enough questions, why do you need to be perfect? And if you're not perfect, what does that mean? Okay, and then what would that mean? And then what does that mean? And what does that mean? And what does that mean? And and as soon as she showed the emotion, you could really, really see, okay, we just hit something. Ding, 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 ding. There it is, right there. That's the fear that the core belief is covering up. I need to be perfect because deep, 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 deep down among all of these thoughts that I don't even recognize, layer by layer by layer by layer, the shit sandwich in the corner of that basement is that I'm afraid I will be alone. So I need to be perfect. And then we walk around life, living that way, having no idea that it's truly just covering up a fear story. And the interesting thing is when we let go of that, and it's not easy, right? Once we recognize it, then we do the work of rewiring and creating new core beliefs. Once that paradigm is shifted, the paradigm is your belief system. Once that is shifted, just saying that out loud, oh my God, I thought I needed to be perfect 
those are all the ways I acted that way. And I thought I needed to be perfect because deep down, I was afraid of what? Are you kidding me? (sighs) And then there's just, there's room for breath. There's room for change. There's room for love. There's room for acceptance and grace. Only because that was recognized. I've shared with you all many times something that I just sort of came up with on a coaching call years ago in network marketing that I pictured a parking lot, right? So right now, if you picture the parking lot is full and once that belief system is challenged and recognized and spoken out loud, it just kind of disappears. The fear underneath it probably doesn't, but now the power is no longer in that belief that I have to be perfect. And picture like 15 cars out of that lot just pulling out and going away. Now there's room for so much. One of the master coaches I'm working with calls it emotional, mental, or energetic real estate. I love that. They say, think about the real estate that opens up. Now, I used to think about it as, well, it just opens up for, you know, love, peace, joy, abundance. Yes, 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 of course. More positive thinking. Yes, yes. But they pointed out something I did not think of. Think of the emotional, energetic, and mental real estate that opens up in every area of your life. Why? Why is that? Because you and I are spending so much of our time and energy on the core belief to cover up that fear. We're putting so much effort and it's invested so heavily in that core belief. I have to be perfect. 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 Remember, these are subconscious thoughts. Once that is gone, it's not just about not believing that anymore. The energy and the mental effort that was going into making sure that happened can now be spent on other things. If you're a teacher, your students get more of you, the real you. Your relationship, they get more of the real you. You have a bigger capacity to receive for love, for success, for money, for happiness. Let's use the example again as a teacher. If you're a teacher and you go through this process and you have this vacancy now, that used to be taken up by the core belief that was not serving anything but your fear, and that opens up. Think about what that does for your ability as a teacher, what you can pour into those children, what you can learn, how you will be. This is mind-blowing to me. So if you wonder, well, how do I know what my core beliefs are? Well, you could ask someone close to you. They'll probably tell you. But if you want to know what people believe, look at their life. How do you be in this world? How do you show up? In work? In relationship? With yourself? Do you ever make time for yourself? Do you have any hobbies? That was such a difficult question to hear when someone asked me that. I had none. None. If I'm honest, I still have none. My podcast is my hobby now. I am learning how to let go and relax, do things that make me happy, take time for myself. It is a foreign language on steroids for me. And I know many of you can relate. 
I do things that are good for me, right? I now take Epsom salt baths and I go out into nature and I stand my bare feet on the ground and I take walks in the woods. I do deep breathing. and But what do I do for fun? What do I do that's just for me to enjoy? Not much. So when someone asked me, what do you do for fun? Like, what, what hobbies do you have? And I didn't have an answer. That pointed me toward one of my core beliefs. And that is that I don't matter. That my happiness and joy come second to performance. That I always need to be doing, learning, growing, and evolving, period. Which sounds insane, I know, right? But that was truly one of my beliefs. Covering up the fear of, because if not, I'm not enough. And if I'm not enough, what then? Then I won't be loved. Well, if I won't be loved, then what then? Well, I'm invisible. And what then? And what then? And what then? And then I realized that my need for perfection and performance wasn't just, oh, I'm seeking love and attention. It's so much deeper than that. If I feel that I only will get love and I only matter if I'm performing and being perfect, then what's going to happen when you try to take that belief away from me? I'm going to fight your ass for it, right? I'm going to fight. Why am I going to fight? Because if you take that core belief away from me, what do I have? Because if I don't have that, I'm, right? It's not just about recognizing these beliefs and recognizing the fear underneath, but what happens then? I have to learn to create a new path in my brain, in my being, that says otherwise, that I'm already perfect, that I'm already doing enough, I don't need to do any more, and that my doing has nothing to do with my value. But think about that. If I don't really, really integrate that into my body, I will always feel like I need to be perfect while probably pretending that I learned the lesson and I'm not going to overachieve and I don't need to be perfect, but deep down feeling like I need to be. So again, if you discover what the core belief is, and then I come along as a coach and I try to take that from you, you are going to fight tooth and nail, even though it doesn't serve you, even though you realize it's not true. Because I have to be perfect to avoid X. So if you take that away from me, then I'm worried that that fear story is true. Because if I'm not perfect, then I'll be alone, as it was with this woman in the example. So do some journaling. Take some deep breaths, belly breaths, hand on the heart center, hand on the belly. Just sit with yourself. And then do some journaling and ask yourself what you believe. Just keep writing and writing and writing and writing. If you sit long enough, if you write long enough, it will come to you. And welcome it. Just welcome it. Don't be afraid. There's no judgment. Tell yourself that. Tell yourself that it's safe to let it out to let it come through. Some of them you know, but you're just pretending not to know. Some of them you don't. They are so far under the water in your subconscious, you have no idea. Ask someone you trust, not the friend who's going to tell you what you want to hear. Someone very close to you who watches you. I would ask a teenage child. (laughs) Ask one of your kids. You can't say, what is my core belief? But how do you see me? Like, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I'm really working on looking at things I don't see myself about me. 
So how do you see me showing up in this world? How would you describe me? If they say, I don't know, sometimes you're grumpy. Okay, that's great. When do you notice that I'm grumpy? Usually when you're working a lot. Okay, and what else? And what else? What else about that? And you will probably know the answer before they do. And they may not have any idea. They're just giving you clues and telling you how you show up, what your behavior is. But you yourself and your own body will go, oh, shit. I had no idea that I did that. So I'm stressed and overwhelmed and freaking out. And they're seeing that. And I do that at the end of every month. That's when the end of my business month is causing me stress because what? Because I'm afraid I'm not going to hit my goals. And then what? And then what? And then what? And then what? Oh, there it is. Ask your partner. They know when you pull away. They know when you get triggered. They know all your triggers, by the way. The triggers are the clue. So if I feel like I need to be perfect to cover up a deep-seated fear, it would be easy to trigger that by saying anything that I would hear as critical because that means I'm not perfect. By comparing me to someone by saying something that makes me believe I'm being compared to someone. Ask your parents. This is the kind of stuff that's not sexy. It's not fun. Can't we just talk about something fun? Can't we just talk about girl gang stuff and boss mode and three affirmations that are going to give you the butt that you want in three weeks and make you rich? Can't we just talk about that? Well, we could on a different podcast. But this is real shit here. This is stuff that I'm not an expert at this. I'm learning with you. I'm a student of life just like you. I might be a few steps ahead of some of you because of the work that I have done on and in myself and the money that I've invested in top, top master coaches and courses and things like that. Yet, I'm still struggling right along with you. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. So how about just find one of your core beliefs, just one, and discover the fear that's underneath it. And just journal about that. Meditate on it. Take a walk outside. Just let it be, and things will come up for you. And then decide if you want to release it. Decide if you want to go the other way. Understanding that that program has been running for a long time, and your old self, I'll say, is going to fight like hell to keep it. So you can't just do a couple of affirmations and drink a kale smoothie and be good to go. It's not going to work. But remember, just the acknowledgement of it, just saying it out loud does cause those words to just turn to sand. doesn't take the fear away underneath it, but it takes the power away from that statement. I need to be perfect because if I'm not, I am. It takes the power away to say it out loud. And then recognize when you are showing up that way. When are you trying to be perfect? I mean, I decided a long time ago to unfollow anyone on social media, even if it's not their, (laughs) they didn't mean to, they don't want to, it's not their intention to, but somehow they cause me to feel that I'm not enough or that I'm not perfect enough or I should look a different way. I just don't follow them. I don't even look at that stuff. Whatever is showing up in your life that reminds you of the core belief that's covering up a deep-seated fear, it's not something you have to have around to trigger you into better behavior. You can just 
Stop looking at it. Turn the television off. Not hanging around with those people anymore. Say no thank you to an invitation for cocktails from someone who contributes to that fear story. It's okay. It sounds unlikely, but I'm telling you that you deep down know the answer and God for sure knows the answer and you've got a direct line to God. Quiet your mind, connect with your body, connect with nature, sit with it, journal, breathe, ask loved ones around you, don't allow any sort of judgment, shame, or blame to enter any of the conversations. And you will find out so much about the core beliefs that are dictating your life because they are covering up a deep-seated fear. Someone introduced me to Byron Katie. And she's so soothing to listen to, by the way. I just love the way her voice sounds. And there are four questions that she asks and suggests that you and I ask when we want to challenge that paradigm, challenge that core belief, and rewrite the narrative. The first is, is that true? The second is, is that absolutely true all the time, 100%? Have there ever been times in your life, can you think of an example of one time when that wasn't true? Oh, well, number three, what happens when you believe that thought? How do you react, act, or feel? Number four. Oh, this is a good one. Who would you be without that thought or belief? Who would you be without that? Who would you be if you didn't believe that you had to be perfect? Who would you be if you did not buy into the bullshit narrative that you have to have your guard up at all times so that you don't get hurt? Who would you be without the thought or belief that you have to leave before someone leaves you? Who would you be without the thought that you can't trust men? Who would you be without the thought or belief that if you're not achieving, growing, learning, and evolving, you're not enough? (sighs) Oh my God. What if I didn't have the belief? Well, first of all, She challenges me here by asking me if it's even true. Yeah, it's true. Is it absolutely true? Yeah, 100% of the time. I mean, I think so, most of the time. Hmm. Can you think of one time when it weren't true? Well, maybe. Then she asks me, what happens when you believe that thought? How do you react, act, and feel? Oh, shit. Who would you be without it? I'll tell you who. You would be the person you were created to be. You would be the real you. You would be you, you. The real you, your highest self you. The free, powerful, joyful you. The one who loves herself, doesn't apologize for putting herself first. The one who gives and serves, but not because she thinks she has to or needs to. The one who feels she's already enough. The one who doesn't listen to what others say about her or her life the one who gives herself grace, the one who chooses to enjoy her life, the one who opens her heart freely and openly and fully trusts herself and others, that's who you'd be. That's who you'd be without that thought. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a life without those thoughts? The thoughts that you're not enough, the thoughts you need to be perfect, the thoughts you can't open up, the thoughts you can't trust, the thoughts that you're not a good parent, the thoughts that 
Can you just imagine? Just, just take it in for a second. None of that exists. <sighs> None of it exists. All you have is love, abundance, freedom, peace, forgiveness, joy. That's all that's left. That's all that's left.